This is Billionaires in Boxes, empowering one billion entrepreneurs, one podcast at a time. Hello and welcome to this edition of Billionaires in Boxes with me, your host, Phil Paluccia. I am joined today by a very special guest, Oliver Duffy Lee. And I always tell him his name sounds like he should be in a boy band. <laughs> um, and I still stand by that, bro. Um, Ollie is the founder of the Launchpad Academy. I absolutely love this guy, love his work. Uh, if you own an agency, you are going to want to listen to this conversation. And in fact, if you just want to increase your sales, you are going to want to listen to this conversation. So, Ollie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Phil. Great to be here. Real pleasure to have you, buddy. So, for our audience who haven't come across you before, how would you describe you and what you do? It's a great question. So, um, first of all, it's great to be here. Loving your work as well. Thanks for the great intro. Um, well, I'm the founder of Launchpad Academy, uh, which is basically designing to help agency owners, startup agency owners to grow and actually, you know, grow a business they're actually happy with. We, Me and my business partner, we sort of looked at the agency landscape. We looked a while ago and we kind of estimate that pretty much most of the agency owners out there um, are, we see it happening all the time, are falling out of love with their business. And I would say as much as that, if you're not, if you're listening to this and you're an agency owner and you're struggling and you're not already feeling that you're falling out of love with your business, there's a chance that and a risk that you might be about to in the next few months. That's pretty bold. Okay. Fair enough. And, and actually I've seen that a lot as well. I think, um, it's that whole balance between on your business and in your business. And 100%. I think there's lots of people that do what they do because they've, uh, it's, it's what they've always done and they're good at that. And the agency life makes them money, but do they actually really love what they do? Do they still love their business? Does it still excite them when they get out of bed? Um, I'm not so sure. So uh, how long have you been doing Launchpad Academy? Uh, we've been around for about a year. Um, and the okay. agency world is a funny one because, you know, um, uh, a lot of businesses we start, people start businesses for lots of reasons. But agency owners, they start it because, not because they want to get rich, I don't think. Agency owners uh, start their business because they want to create stuff and they've got a talent, they've got a passion for it. And um, it's such a, it can be such a crushing industry sometimes that that passion and that love gets kicked out of you quite, quite soon, you know? Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Speaking like you're speaking from experience there. So you started an agency <laughs> as well, didn't you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, our agency is World Products. Um, we've been going for about, um, well, the business has been going for a while. The agency side has been going for about a year as well. And um, yeah, we're an e-com agency doing full service e-com. Okay, cool. What was your background before that? Before that, I've been basically my life is my my career has been in the agency world uh, for years and years and years, probably about ten years now. Okay. Uh, worked in some big agencies with some big clients, the likes of Volvo, the likes of Porsche, uh, some massive conglomerate clients that probably never no one's ever heard of, but really big international companies. And um, so, you know, walking out of agencies, it was really obvious what to do next, which was start kickstarting an agency and also teaching agency owners how to um, how to build businesses they they enjoy you know how to get joy out of uh, being a business owner mm. I'm curious are you having worked with uh, massive organizations and obviously small to medium-sized businesses as well as I have which is why I find this question so interesting which which do you prefer between big international organizations and yeah between like working with the the big boys and the big brands and working with the the kind of smaller you know let's say less than 10 less than five to ten people in a team or the ones that have literally tens of thousands of people in a team 
It's very different, man. It's like asking you, do you prefer drinking beer or wine? It depends on the occasion. Um, but no, there are, massive, there are massive pros and cons um, to both. You know, uh, I was very keen when we got out of, when I jumped into the mentoring and working with our agency, that I wanted to keep in with big companies. I wanted to keep that um, experience going and keep a nick. Uh, but at the same time, watching startup agencies grow and startup businesses grow, like you can see a company go from 5K a month to 20K a month in three months, that feels really good, right? So mm. seeing that sort of transformation with the startup guys, that's something, that's a sort of satisfaction and a pride that you don't see, but you probably won't get working with big companies, I'd say. Yeah, no, I hear you. The reason I ask is I, I don't think I ever quite realized how much I disliked working with the big corporates until I started working with SMBs. Um, like I, I honestly, I really enjoy, I really enjoy that space for one of the reasons you've just said is that you get to see that immediate growth. I think there's a big difference between, um, being the reason that a business owner can now hire more people, empower more people and go on a, on a family vacation and being a couple of percent extra on somebody's spreadsheet at the end of the year. I think there's, there's, there's a very, there's a very different kind of feeling that goes along with that. But it's also the fact that. I find big wheels turn slowly, right? So decision-making in smaller businesses is like, it's a good idea, we're going to do it, let's take action. Whereas one of the things that always used to drive me crazy when I was bored, because I've been bored level for some of these big companies, was I would watch stuff get kicked, like I called it kicking the can, and it'd be like, it's like, let's do that at the next board meeting. So but the next board meeting's in three months, and it was something we didn't cover on the last one. It's going to take us nine months to take a decision on something that actually... If, so, if just one person could make this decision, it would have already been implemented and be making a change in our business. Yeah. And, and I enjoy that about those smaller businesses is that they can they can take that action. But at the same time, they have nowhere near the same kind of budgets. <laughs> no, that's true. And, you know, but it's funny. One of the uh, one of the big clients we work with um, at World Products is uh, Unilever, Unilever International. And they said when we first started working with them, we're very lucky to work with them, by the way. When we started working with them, they said... Um, we're really entrepreneurial. We like to move fast. We like to be agile. And secretly, Phil, I, I said, I sort of thought to myself, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> I, promise, <laughs> yeah. I promise you, uh, these guys are incredibly entrepreneurial. They, they really live by that. And it proved to me that these massive, massive companies um, absolutely can, as long as the right people are empowered to make decisions and uh, yeah, take responsibility sure. for them. Yeah, it's a clever way of doing it, actually. So it's almost like having... Um an entrepreneurial leader at the head of each department or head of each sort of division and saying, right, treat it like it's your business, make those decisions, take the action. You know, yeah. if it gets above this point, then let's have a discussion about it. But within this remit, go and make those decisions. I think that's really powerful. It really is, man. It really is. No, I love that. I love that. So you and I have done some work together and, and I'm sure we'll sort of dive into this as we, as we go through and, and cause you know, I love your work, which is, which is why you're here. Um, it's why we're talking. <laughs> Uh, and actually, I feel like you've got a lot of value to add to the listeners. So, out of it, I mean, look, this is valuable for everybody. But specifically, who is it that you're you're kind of talking to within the audience base today? Yeah. So specifically, it's a great question. I think um, specifically, um, you know, any agency owner that's earning between five and fifty k a month, um, I'm talking to you. But if you're the sort of person that sort of thinks, you know, if you're the sort of person that says stuff like this, like if I could just clone myself. Um, life would be simple. Or if I could just get 10 more leads 
every week, all of my my woes would be would be gone. Or like I hear this a lot: if I could just double my fees, then uh, then honestly, all of my problems would go away. And if you're asking those sort of questions, this is the you're in the right place, right? You're listening to the right stuff. And I would go, Phil, to be honest, I would go a step further and say that person, if you're saying those sort of things and you're an agency owner, I'm going to predict that you're a relentless self-learner. You know, the sort of person that's got loads of business books on your on your bookshelf that you, if you see a webinar coming up, anything that Chris Doe puts out there, you're watching and you're constantly searching for that, for that, that new knowledge but you've never really found the answer, right? You've never, you're still searching for that stuff. You're still reading those books and you're still uh, listening to the webinars and all that stuff because you haven't found what people would call the silver bullet or you haven't found something that consistently gets you the results you want or gets you to the point you want. And what I found is, mm. uh, weirdly, when we have those problems, when we're talking about those things, we're not getting those results. It's not because we're not consuming the right information. Generally, it's because we're asking ourselves the wrong questions. Right. Mm. So let me give you an example. Um, classic question: How can I get more leads? Well, maybe that's the wrong question. Maybe instead of that question, you could ask yourself: Why am I finding it so hard to get so many leads when there are other agencies out there that offer the same services that are doubling their business every six months? Right. Or a classic one: Something I get all the time is: What's the next? What's the best way to get leads? What's the newest marketing thing? Is it cold email? Is it cold DM? Is it paid? How? What's the best funnel software? Those are not the right questions. The question should be, if you had 10 leads come to your business, could you convert any of them into clients? I'm talking about cold leads, not warm referrals. Cold leads, could you convert them into clients? And like, same with, same with fees, right? If you, instead of asking yourself, how can I charge twice my fee? How can I charge two and a half grand instead of one grand a month? Ask yourself, am I worth that? And if I am worth it, why am I finding it so hard to charge those fees? So obviously these questions, they're not the reason we don't ask them, ask ourselves is because they're uncomfortable, right? No one yeah. wants to sit there yeah, yeah. Are they really worth this fee. But um my my experience tells me that those sort of questions provide much stronger answers um to the problems that people have. Yeah, that makes a, a whole lot of sense, mate. So and you're right, I think a lot of those questions are very uncomfortable for people, aren't they? Um, it's interesting because actually, because I talk a lot to people about um, when it comes to strategic alliances and creating these partnerships that they are too internal focused on their business, right? Mm -hmm. They're not looking enough at the wider market, the wider world, kind of what's going on, who's working with the customers that they are, et cetera. But it sounds like for this particular challenge within a business, it's the opposite. It sounds like they need to be doing more self-reflecting and more internal looking and less kind of looking over the fence saying, what's the next big shiny toy? What's the next thing I need to be doing? Yeah, 100%. In fact, let me, uh, it's funny. One of the, the the biggest, in the context of agency owners falling out of love with their business and really feeling unsatisfied, one of the big reasons why is because they haven't spent a second's thought in defining and thinking consciously about what sort of agency they want to build. So let me give you an example. Mm. With, um, with World Products, with our agency itself, right? When we decided we were going to uh, go into the market. And by the way, we're full service e-com. So that means we do your marketing, we do your campaigns, your branding, we do your email stuff, but we also have a warehouse and we fulfill the orders, right? So we decided to go to the market and um, we knew we were going to be a great e-com agency, but we had no idea who we were going to serve. We hadn't spent any time thinking about who we were going to serve. And so 
to be honest, mate, uh, even with all my sales experience, the first sort of three, four, five months of, of fishing was very dry, <laughs> very, very dry. Mm. And the reason why is because we hadn't sat down and said, who are we here to serve? What we realized was that because our warehouse was of the highest standard, because our um, our compliance was so good, we were there for the for the businesses such as pharma industry, the healthcare industry, which needed top level care uh, with the product delivery. And um, once we decided that, once we realized that was our target, that was our niche. Honestly, everything else uh, fell fell away, and, and sort of we started winning big clients. Unilever being one of mm. them. Right? So you're right. Reflection is really important. Really understanding not just what who you think you can serve best. But what sort of agency do you actually want to build? Because if you if you do get success and you haven't thought about what you want to build, you're not going to be very happy in about a year's time. Mm. Dude, I want to dig into that point a little bit, if I may, because it, it's um, that's a common theme that I see across a lot of different businesses, not just agencies, actually, it, particularly B2B service-based businesses. They're not clear often on who it is because i mean one of the things i hear a lot and i'm sure you hear it too is well actually my services can help loads of people um and it's not it's like they're almost scared to niche down because they they don't want to say well it's this so how how do you go about kind of um you know what what are sort of the things that people can do to try and identify that niche within their business because what you don't want them doing is just picking one at random right or saying right that's the most profitable one so we're going to do that one so what are some of the things and exercises that people can do to to really start mapping that out in their own mind and make sure that as a business they are serving the ideal audience that, that they should be serving yeah look the the one of the, there is a lot of fear associated with uh niching down right everyone seems to think as soon as you pick a niche that you're going to run out of potential customers and um the only thing I can tell you with that is that there is an abundance of customers out there, especially when we're talking mm. about agency world. You don't need um, 15 new customers every month to change your world. You need probably one. If you've got one new customer mm. per month, uh, every month, you'd be have a really nice agency as long as you were good at delivering and you could keep them. So it's important to realize that you're not cutting off your customer base. You're you're basically just making yourself more visible to your perfect customer. Now, how can people uh, niche down? Look, a lot of people out there, uh, there seems to be a trend in the industry world to try and find these unsaturated niches, these magical niches that have no saturation in terms of agency supply. Guys, that doesn't exist. And if it does, it's probably not an industry you're going to want to enter into. So I see like 18-year-old, 20-year-old agency owners suddenly becoming um, uh, Facebook ad agencies specifically for the air conditioning market in Florida. And you're thinking, well, you're you're in Kent. You're a bloke in Kent. So why, why are you doing <laughs> air conditioning in Florida? It doesn't make sense. Are you passionate about air conditioning? No. So um, my advice is always, and look, there are loads of ways that you can select your niche. My advice is make sure you care about the industry, the sector, the problem you're trying to solve, because this is there's there's loads of ways to be successful. But if you're successful in in an area where you're not passionate, you're going to burn out, or you're just going to it's just not going to work out. So that's what I would say. Make sure you care about your niche. Mm. I, I may I love that, and I think uh, you know I've actually seen a lot of that myself in in very successful businesses where 
the the owners, the leaders, the founders, the CEOs, whoever, they fall out of love with their business and their business is very successful, but they don't care about what they do. And, you know, right now for a lot of small businesses and especially agencies, they're looking at this from a financial perspective, right? They're looking at, well, I'll be really happy when we're making mm -hmm. 100 grand, 200 grand a month. Well, what happens when you get there and you realize that actually you spend all day, every day working in a niche that you don't like mm -hmm. <laughs> and with people that you don't like? Um, so I, I think that word care is, is, is really crucial, actually, to be honest, mate. I think that's, you're right, you've got to care about it. So start, you know, they say you should do what you're passionate about, don't they? But I think so many people almost overlook that advice as a bit fluffy and a bit airy. But, um, you know, speaking from experience, like I've made good money. I've, I've grown and exited two businesses. Um, one of them I quite liked. One of them I hated. Like I really <laughs> hated it and it made me really unhealthy. I just, I hated it. And, and, and I, I had to be a fake person because I didn't like the customers that I was working with. I didn't like the people I was spending time with. Um, I, I most certainly didn't like the version of me that I had to be to kind of get on in that space. Whereas if I compare that now to billionaires in boxes, it's night and day. Like I love, yeah. as you well know, I love yeah. what I do. Um, I spend all day doing it. I bounce out of bed with energy. And, and that's what you get when you work in a space that you're passionate about and that you genuinely care about. 100%. And, and you know, there's, some, there's, a, there's a, another layer here in the agencies are constantly talking about needing to charge higher fees. Well, if you want to charge, say you want to charge one and a half grand, two grand a month uh, for your marketing service, let's say, is it enough for you to be an expert in marketing? My answer would be no. You need to also be an expert in your client's industry as well. And if you are mixing your industries, which you know some agencies do and you can be very skilled, but if you are and you're starting out and you want to come on those fees, set yourself apart by being an expert in those industries as well. And you'll be able to charge those higher fees. That's one of the biggest barriers to that is people want to buy experts in their field, not just marketing experts. Yeah, no, you're so, so right. In fact, I've got a, a little bit of an insight in that, actually, as to one of the ways that, that we were able to kind of scale different niches, which I thought was quite an interesting one. Um, because, again, we were one of those services that we were like, actually, this is relevant for loads of people. And we were, we were having a hard time, which is why I think it's such a fascinating topic. We were having a hard time kind of saying, where do we go? And we did the same as everybody else. You know, we were Googling where were people spending their money, where are the highest yeah. budgets. Like we were doing all of that and including um, looking for that niche that nobody was working in. But my my attitude towards that, if I'm honest, is because I've worked with a lot of uh, – we work a lot with the investment community, so startups and new new sectors and new industries. And typically what I've seen is the first one or two people out of the gate – do all the educating and the company three and four that come into the space make all the money because they've now the the market's been primed and readied by the first two of who have now gone broke trying to educate the market. Um, so if you do find a niche that that hasn't been used yet or nobody's working in it or nobody's helping it, do yourself a favor and wait till a couple of other people have gone bust educating them and then go clean up the crops. I could not agree um, more. That is such a good point. The difference between red and green, red and blue oceans. That is really. I know not many people say that. But trust me, that's mm. true. I've seen it too. Oh, it's it's completely true. I mean, yeah. loads of people will go bust trying to educate yeah. their market. Um, where and and you know, I've I've been the guy on the other end of that where you've turned up, you know, th three or four companies in, and they're like, oh, like such and such a person. Yeah, I spoke to them about a year ago. This is actually a good time for this now. And yeah. then I 
take the business. And it's like, thank you, such and such a company. And then I remember researching them and realizing that they don't exist anymore. Um, so you, you can be too early. It is possible. It is possible to be too early into a market. Um, but, you know, another way of doing that is, you know, you're absolutely right. I think niches are really important. But I owned, um, I owned a recruitment business for many years. And one of the things I learned from that recruitment business is that you can be you can be niche and scale at the same time in different niches. So what you would have essentially is in recruitment, they call it desk. So you would have a desk and that desk will be responsible for a particular space. But you would hire people who have a passion and an interest in that space. So recruitment is recruitment, right? You need you need a person. We find you a person. You need Mm -hmm. a job. We find you a job. It's pretty much the same process, no matter what it is you're doing. But the person who does automation is not the person who should be doing marketing. The person who does marketing is not the person who should be doing sales. The person mm-hmm. who does sales is not the person who should be doing sales in manufacturing as they are in sales in real estate. So you can have your process that runs throughout the business, but you still need to niche down to be able to say, great, you are a manufacturing and distribution company within this space. I have a team here that only work those contracts. They know what's going on in the industry. They know the movers and shakers. They know what's happening. They know the good things. They know the bad things. They're the people to speak to. Yeah. That, for me, is a powerful way of scaling your business. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it's not just being being niche doesn't mean you can't scale at all. I think that's what you've just said there is a really smart way of doing it. But even within your niche, there's, there's, there's an abundant amount of companies out there. And we're not, in agency world, we're not talking about a need for uh, huge, huge levels of new customer onboarding it's you know one or two per month you're in a really good place yeah absolutely dude well look i mean i I obviously know about the work that we did together and i'm happy to talk about that but um you know given kind of what you were talking about and those kind of businesses that come to you and the kind of questions that they're asking i wondered whether you could kind of give some some sort of tangible examples of you know these are the sorts of businesses that i worked with this is where the owner was when they came in and how they felt and this was what we did in the result that would be i think that yeah. would be helpful for people if you if you wouldn't mind sharing yeah awesome man well i think yours is a is a pretty good um is a pretty good example because i think when when um we started working together one of the key things that i think you thought was the issue was uh, i need uh you were looking for leads right you were yeah. looking for uh regular sources of leads now I hear this a lot. People want um, millions of leads. They want their people want, if I can get a hundred leads a month, that'd be great. Now, so I'm, what I'm thinking is what's going to happen to that? Because if your conversion rate's any good, should be about 50% at least, you're onboarding 50 customers a month. I think you're going to go too fast. So you're going to go out of business, right? So the problem here is not leads, actually. Well, everyone's looking for leads. The problem is not leads. The problem is making sure that when you find a lead, you make damn well, you can qualify them as a perfect dream customer first, which by the way, you can't do until you've defined who your dream customer is. And secondly, you make damn sure that you're going to convert them into a client, right? And this comes from sales process. This comes from a very strict sales process. I can put it like this. Uh, and there's a guy that I work with a lot called Taki Moore, one of the best coaches out there. And the way he puts it is this. He says, if you don't have a process for selling, you are at the mercy of your client's process for buying. Now, how do we mm. how do clients buy stuff? How do we buy stuff? We're terrible at buying stuff. We delay, we negotiate hard, and we usually avoid. DNA, right? Delay, negotiate, avoid. Delay, negotiate, avoid all the time. So if that is how your process for selling, you're not going to onboard people that much. And this is why I believe people want endless reams of leads because they're not great at converting. So 
you know, the work we t- did together, we installed a rock solid sales process into your into your business, which is all about selling by chat first, getting people into DMs, selling by chat, and then this wonderful two step con- um, sales call conversion process, which works pretty well. And uh, well, I think it worked pretty well for you, right? Yeah, it certainly did. You're absolutely right. I mean, look, I mean, the two things that kind of came to mind when we first started working together was um, it was interesting because we, I felt like we'd done it in the wrong order. <laughs> um, so most people, when they come to work with us, for example, they have a process of finding customers. They're getting leads, even if that's just awful at this point it's like you know i've got some facebook ads out i've got this i've got whatever they've got some leads coming in what they need more of is the ability to scale and we do that through strategic partnerships because then if you've got your foundation coming in every month you've got x amount of leads coming in and then you're converting y and then every now and then big ones drop in when a a referral partner says here's 50 people i want to introduce you to or like i had one the other day where somebody came to me and said Um, I work with coaches. It's one of our partners. I work with coaches creating their online courses. I've got a group of a hundred of them that are about to graduate my course and they need to learn how to sell it via strategic partnerships. Can we just funnel them straight into you? So there was like an extra hundred customers. And it was like, yes, please. That would be beautiful. My problem was it's really difficult to scale a business that way because you never know when stuff's going to come in. You would have a month or two where like one or two referrals would come in. And then month three, like 150 of the things turn up. And that was really difficult to scale a business that way. So what I needed was almost to take it back a step to say two things. Thing number one, you're absolutely right, was how can we be using this network and everything else that we've got to be having leads coming to us directly as well? Because they're clearly out there because we're selling to them, they're converting, they're working with us, and they're coming by our partners. So why can't we find them first too? Um, And the other one was, and and this is something that you and I have worked on together, was putting that process in place because everything in this business had to touch me. I mean, how many times as business owners have we said that? <laughs> like, you, I wasn't a CEO that was that was working, you know, on my business. I was a CEO that was working in my business. Mm. Um, you know, if I wanted to take a two-week holiday, nothing would get sold because everything had to touch me. And that was not a good way to scale the business. And And, and again... I needed help putting a structure and a sales process in place that I could then give to my team as well and say, here's what that initial 15 to 30 minute call looks like. And here's how you go through it. Here's the things that you're looking for. And I didn't have that. It was just me, my personality, me winging the call, me kind of going in the direction that I felt worked best for that call. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But you know, I had team members who would come on calls and listen to them with me and go, how the hell am I supposed to replicate that? I don't know half the stuff he's just said. Yeah, no, exactly. So, and this is it. So, you know, that good, that sales process works so well because it's repeatable, but I just want to be really, really clear in that when people say sales process, what we don't mean is like wizard sales scripts, which would close anyone in a, anyone that would move. Like this is, this is about putting something in place, which beautifully filters out anyone that's not a perfect customer. And the person that is, you don't end up selling to them at all because it's just so obvious they need to work with you and you're going to get them some great results. So it's really, really important. What I would say though, Phil, on top of that is, yeah, sure, the sales process is great because it's repeatable. Um, it means that you can take that off your plate and you can sort of um, scale up because you can have people in your team do it, taking care of that. But it does that sort of process doesn't stop there. And one of the things that, that sort of um, removing you from the delivery part 
doesn't stop there because one of the, one of the biggest problems that agency owners have is they get some success and another this is one of the other killers of the passion and the love for their business is that they feel like it can't move without them if they, yeah. take, they can't take a so day true. off in their life they uh, and you know everyone says this i'm work, spending all my time working in the business and not on the business and we have a great example of this one of our members at launchpad academy called sam super talented young agency owner with brilliant uh, growing agency came to us clearly as a superstar but his agency was him right so if he wasn't present in every conversation in every sales part in every client delivery part writing every piece of content then the agency was giving 50 percent quality having working with us working on processes for client onboarding processes for client delivery also on top of the sales process he can now be consistently on top of the business and he can be strategically growing the business. And Sam now, I think he's been with us for maybe three months now. His business is growing by 50%. Um, and that's purely because we, we're managing to get him in a position where he can leverage his talent to work strategically on the business rather than writing posts for clients that maybe he doesn't need to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure does. Absolutely it does. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this I think this this challenge that this challenge that agency owners have all the time that they manage to fix who they're targeting. They manage to fix how to sell and how to bring clients on, but they somehow somehow forget how to fix, how to bring keep the agency to keep ticking over without them in it. And this is the ultimate killer. This is the this is the saddest one of them all, I'd say, Phil, because if you I I understand you not falling you falling out of love with an agency that isn't performing. But if you are actually doing, fulfilling your dreams, if you are hitting your 15K a month, which you said a year ago, I would love to hit 15K a month, you get there, you're hitting it, and you still fall out of love with it. That's the saddest way. And and, and that can be avoided just by making sure you remove yourself from the day-to-day running. I think that's so far away from most people's reality at the moment as well in terms of like they're, they're thinking if I, you know, if I get to that 50, that 100 grand a month, everything's going to be fine. But I can honestly tell you there are so many miserable people at that place <laughs> that, that are, you know, seriously, they're working their business and they're absolutely miserable. Um, you know, and they become, a, they become a slave to their business. And, and that's not why you started. That's not what you were here for. Um, and, you know, I... I I think it goes right back almost back to kind of one of the things you were saying at the beginning about, you know, yes, absolutely that structure and that process. But I think that care and that passion that you spoke about is so crucial. And actually it's not something that you can introduce like at the end of the growing process. It's really something that needs to be built into the foundation that you're building from. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, and, you know, like when you're starting out, you're just thinking, just, take me to five grand a month to take me to 10 grand a month but just you know trust from both of us you know we've both been there that will happen if you if you find your talent in the right way if you give your all every day that will happen but what will definitely also happen is you will fall out of love with your agency if you don't think about where you want to be what type of clients you want to have what type of services you enjoy delivering if you don't work out how to how to sell quickly you will fall out of love but trust me and trust Phil, if you don't, if you, if you, uh, you will get there if you use your talent properly, but you need to be purposeful about where you're going to go next. Yeah, dude, you're so right. And, and, you know, one of the things I want to say about that is we've all worked with customers. We really wish we hadn't bothered. Yeah. Um, 
and that's one of the reasons I love the work that we did together, bro. And and, and that's why I don't mind saying it on air. Absolutely, it was. You know, I love strategic partnerships because I'll only give a partnership to somebody who I resonate with. So the chances are that if I resonate with that person and they introduce me to a potential customer, I'm going to resonate with that customer too, right? Because we're all working together because we resonate together. You know, that your vibe attracts your tribe. I say it all the time. However, the, the challenging part prior to working with you was the work that came to us directly, you know, the leads that we were generating, et cetera even after we'd started generating them. I mean, that's one thing, isn't it? Most people are like, if I only had a, a hundred mm-hmm. leads a month, everything would be great. But what if you don't like 90 of those leads? You know, you might end up working with an abundance of people who, yes, they're paying your money. Yes, they're doing the work, but you don't like them. You don't care about them. You're not vested in their growth. They're doing your head in. They're the kind of people that call you on godly hours and never seem to be grateful for what you do anyway because you haven't got a process in place that's actually going to vet in the good ones and vet out the bad ones. Like You want to weed out those people. So one of the things I loved about the process that, that we implemented with you is that we're now only working with four and five, four and five out of fives. They're anybody who's a three or below will be gone. They will weed themselves out. It gives us the ability to remove them from the process. And they would have been the customers who would have said yes. I mean, we say no to probably 70% of the people that want to say yes to us. But those 70% of people would have given us such a massive headache that it wouldn't have been worth the money. I mean, if you ever had a client like that, that you just go, I'd, I'd rather just give you your money back and tell you where to go because I don't want to talk to you anymore. Yeah, 100%. That's happened to me plenty of times. And I think it happens to a lot of other people. I think people have got, people understand marketing pretty well, but people have a terrible idea of what sales is. So everyone knows that marketing is is finding people who might want your stuff or your service or your product, putting your stuff in front of them and uh, letting them know that it's there. Everyone understands what marketing is. But sales people seem to think that sales is this thing where you convince people that they need your product even if they don't it's absolutely not yeah more about um oh you're so right it's more about the idea of filtering out people who aren't quite a good fit for you that can work with you and uh basically just working with people who love you you get on with and uh yeah that's what sales is all about man you you want them to love your services. I mean, you know, I, I want everybody now as a little bit of an exercise, even if it's a if it's a mental exercise that they're going through, is to sit and think about, you know, who are those clients that you absolutely love working with? Who are the people that you, you know, that that you that you enjoy their success, right? You've done a good job for them. They they rave about you. They're usually the people that refer you. Um, you know, they're the people who will say, you know what, I worked with Ollie and he was just this awesome guy. I mean, I've done this. He's this awesome guy, um, <laughs> really helped. This is how he helped go away and do it. They're the people that you want to be working with, right? That, that for me, is, is so critical in a business. And if you can think of those people, now do the opposite. Think about how many people you've worked with that actually you'd really rather you didn't bother or you, didn't, you can take them or leave them, right? Because what you'll probably find in most businesses at the moment is that the ones that you want to work with are about maybe 20%. And there's 80% there that you could take or leave. Mm-hmm. You really want to get that balance, get your process in place, you know, like the process that you could design with Ollie to really flip that the other direction and say, no, no, I want to love 80, 90% of the people I'm working with and have that 10% frog kissing bit where I might do, <laughs> I might not. That's that's really what you're going to try and get to. 
I think that's true. One of the one of the first things that um we when new members come into Launchpad, we we always quiz them. We say, how you know, tell us about your uh, nightmare clients. Almost everyone's got at least one nightmare client when they come in. Then yeah. what we, do, we do we do the uh, we do the maths straight away, and we say, great, how much revenue do we need to replace to get rid of them to sack them? And our first goal is to um, help them to get to a, a revenue level where they can sack their nightmare clients because. I would rather that, that they're in a good headspace, that they're loving getting out of bed and going to work, that they don't dread that call every morning with that nightmare client. So, yeah, we're big fans of sacking clients, but we don't sack clients unless we can replace the revenue first. Yeah, no, love that. It's really powerful. Um, Ollie, listen, we could go forever, you and I, mate, but um, I want to be respectful of your time as well. Who... Who should be getting in contact then and, and how do they go about doing that? Because obviously there's been a ton of valuable information here. I imagine there's people nodding away and making notes. And if you haven't been, then get a pen and go back and listen again because there were some real golden nuggets in here. Um, how can people get in contact with you, pal? Yeah, well, listen, um, if, you, if you're if you an agency owner, um, you are feeling that like you might be falling out of love with your agency a little bit. You feel like you wanted to be earning about twice as much in revenue as you are now and nothing's quite clicking, and you've tried every single lead gen trick or marketing trick in the book, then we should probably chat. And the way to do that is uh, there's a link in the in the show notes, which is to book a 10-minute meeting with me or one of my team. Click on that link, enter your details. We'd love to speak to you. What we'll do on that call is we'll highlight the three core things which are holding you back, the three roadblocks which are holding you back and stopping you from getting what you want. And from there, we can see if we're a good fit to work together after that. Absolutely love it, dude. I absolutely love it. Yeah, and I would I would highly advise people do that. So, um, yeah, show notes below. That link is there. Definitely get in contact. I mean, I, you know, I bring people on the podcast that I feel can always add value. So that's that's a, that's a given. If somebody's been on the podcast, it's because I can feel they can add value to what you do. But I can speak from personal experience and working with Ollie, and, and I love his process. I love his approach. Um, and it's been a real game changer. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars in additional revenue does not lie in my on my bottom line. Um, so love, love, love what you do, buddy. Um, wishing you every success with what you're doing. I know there's some big changes that are going on with Launchpad Academy as well, you're always improving, you're always evolving. And it's another one of the reasons I love you, dude, is that, you know, you do it and you continue to evolve. I mean, the, the people who drive me crazy are the ones who say, let me teach you how to grow an agency. And they've either never grown an agency or they sold their agency 10 years ago and it's a completely different market. And now they're just trying to teach you how to do it. And it's the same thing that they'll be teaching tomorrow as it will be in five years, as it will be in 10 years. Um, I don't get that impression with you at all. Every time, and I've seen your live videos too. Every time you get something or something new comes up, and you think, "Oh, this is interesting," you share it with everybody else that you're working with, and I think that's a that's a really powerful thing to do. So, thank thanks you very so much. much for that. Um, yeah, it's a good point. There's loads of those. There's loads of those ten years ago people around. What I would say is, um, final thought uh, based on what you just said is, agency work land. The, the traditional agency model is definitely going to change a lot in the next uh, five years constantly be looking at uh, what is the next version of your agency what's the next uh, sort of 2.0 3.0 4.0 of your agency look like because if you don't look at it now someone else is going to do it and it's going to make you vulnerable so constantly be looking for that next step i think it's really really important great point phil and by the way thanks so much for having me absolutely loved it on the show um i hope to be back yeah, you know, mate, you can come back anytime. In fact, we're having um, 
we're doing some roundtable events coming up over the next sort of weeks and months as well, where we'll be bringing on uh, a handful of guests to talk about particular topics and diving into certain issues and stuff. So I've already got your name down for a few, buddy, when it comes to this agency stuff and sales process and everything else. So um, you will definitely be back. Pleasure to have you here as always. Love our conversations. We'll, uh, again, people don't know this because they, they don't get to hear this bit that wasn't recorded, but we have what I like to call a, a virtual green room where we have a chat <laughs> for about five, 10 minutes before. And Ollie and I went for a good 30, 45 minutes before, <laughs> before we even started recording. <laughs> um so i absolutely love the guy love your work ollie thank you so much for being here brother it's been an absolute privilege thanks man see you later oh, awesome brother um to the listeners please definitely go back and re-listen to this podcast i certainly will be doing so get a pen get a paper get your ipad however creative you are um start making those notes and, and really kind of take to heart some of this stuff pay particular attention and this is a lesson that i learned a few years ago that was really beneficial for me Pay close attention to the things that made you uncomfortable because that's where the room for growing is. Um, take care of yourselves and we'll speak to you next time. You are listening to Billionaires in Boxes, the number one podcast publicist for businesses globally. 